Open your Bibles tonight to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Tonight we have great news. Tonight we have great news. We have the good news that God loves us, that he has provided a remedy for our sin problem in the person, in the work of Jesus Christ. We as believers in Jesus Christ, we have good news. Now be sure it truly is good news. Do you know the good news? Can you explain the good news? Could you, if need be, could you tonight defend the good news? What if somebody were to come along in the course of your week, in the course of your days, what if they were to say to you, why do we need a Savior? What if they were to ask you, why did he need to die? That seems kind of extreme. Why did he need to die? What if they were to ask you, are you sure sin is our problem. In a world of all these problems, are you sure that sin is our problem? What if they were to ask you based on what? What if they were to say, well, you give me these answers, what are you basing that on? Could you, if need be, defend the good news of Jesus Christ? Do you know it well enough to defend it? I want to tell you tonight, our greatest need today, our world's greatest need, our nation's good grief, our nation's greatest need, our church's greatest need, our greatest need today, we need a resurgence of the word of God. We need a revival today of the word of God. Now, I'll just be very honest with you. We look and we see all of these troubles. We see all of these things that we have to figure out how to wade through. What we need today are people who are immersed in, who are proficient in, and who are staying in the Word of God. Now, instead, let me tell you what's happening. What's happening is the opposite of that. Today, in this day, we have the Word of God. We, we talk about cherishing the Word of God. But today, we are consumed really with anything or everything other than the Word of God. Today, we know all about sports. We can talk nonstop about sports. We know all about the latest news. We know all about politics. We can talk all about politics. We know all of the latest gossip. But sadly, in this day, we do not truly know the Word of God. I want to tell you what we need. We need a resurgence, a revival today of the Word of God. Haven't these 36 now days changed you? Haven't they opened your eyes? Haven't these 36 days, if you've been able to participate in them, haven't they changed your heart? Well, do you understand that's what God's Word does? That's what he promises us. That's what he tells us will happen if we endeavor to be seriously in his word. Tonight, our message is entitled, We Better Know. We Better Know. Tonight, we're moving right along. John chapter 7. Tonight, verses 40 
through 52. We better know John chapter 7, verses 40 through 52. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd join me in standing in the reverence and the honor of the reading of the Word of God. John chapter 7, beginning in verse 40, God's Word says this. Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd which does not know the law, is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to him before, being one of them, said to them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? They answered him, You are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for this night, this Saturday night. We're thankful for this opportunity to gather again and to praise you and to worship you, to look forward to a day that we'll be with you. And we're also thankful that we have your word, and I, I, I rejoice in it, but I also pray, Lord, that you would teach us tonight, that you would instruct us tonight, that we'd be informed as your people tonight. I pray it wouldn't be a lecture, it wouldn't be just the passing on of, of facts and information, but we would truly hear the voice of the living God. I pray that you'd speak to us tonight. Lord, I pray that in that, again, we would be better equipped, that we'd be prepared to preach and to proclaim your gospel, that we'd bring great glory to your name. Lord, I pray in the hearing of this tonight, that this very night, perhaps in this very hour, that there would be some and maybe many that would trust you tonight, turning to you as their Savior. Lord, I pray that in all of this, every piece of it, that you are known, that you are brought much glory, that your name is held high. We tell you on this night, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In John chapter 7, Jesus has gone to Jerusalem he has left Galilee. He's gone to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. Remember the account? He has slipped into Jerusalem. He has slipped into the city unnoticed. The Jewish leaders there in the city are seeking, the Bible says, to seize him. It's the same word as to arrest him. They are actually, the Bible says, trying to kill him. They're trying to grab him. They're trying to seize him. And their ultimate goal is to kill Jesus. Well, right under their noses, he has gone to the most visible place. He's gone to the temple, and there he has begun to teach. Now, the Bible tells us on the last day of that festival, what is called the great day, that he has stood up there in this visible place, 
and he has declared, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And so we again see he calls anyone, anyone that is thirsty, to receive him. Now he says in that account that anyone who believes in him will receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit. That's how that ends. From the Holy Spirit, they will receive rivers of flowing water welling up inside of them. Well, that's what has happened. That is what he has done. Our verses tonight, today, are the continuation of that account. All right, let's begin tonight in verse 40. Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is the prophet. Some of the folks there in this crowd, they hear Jesus, and they say that Jesus surely is, certainly is the prophet. Now, this is referring to a prophecy handed down or spoken by Moses himself in Deuteronomy chapter 18. He prophesies of a coming prophet. Some believe that the prophet would be the Messiah. Now, that's the correct understanding. We see that in the book of Acts. And so some believe the prophet is the Messiah. Now, there's others, and they believe that the prophet will be the forerunner, the one that will prepare the way, telling of the coming of the Messiah. So understand, these people, upon hearing Jesus, know that this is not normal. They believe that he speaks from God, and they know their scriptures enough to say this one must be the prophet. And so there's a group there. They hear Jesus. They understand the prophecy of Moses. And they say, this one, Jesus, he must certainly be the prophet. Verse 41. Others were saying, this is the Christ. Still, others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Now the Bible goes on, John goes on, and he says, others are saying in this crowd that this is the Christ. Now I want you to be sure that is a huge statement. That is a big statement. They are saying this one right here, this one, the one that we are looking at, he is the Savior from God. He is the promised Messiah. He is our long-awaited hope. He is the subject of all of the prophets. He is the son of God. He is the son of man. He is the light that shines in the darkness. And they are saying this one that we've laid our eyes on, this one, he is the Christ. Now that's amazing. They believe this one is the Christ. Bible goes on and says, still others, however, were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? They think surely nothing so normal as as coming from Galilee. Surely he's not going to come from Galilee. All right, verse 42. Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? Actually, it's in Isaiah chapter 11. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Uh, Both of those places, now there's some other places as well, that say that the Messiah will be a descendant of King David. And so, yes, they are right. That is right. Now, not only that, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says that the Messiah will come from Bethlehem, the city 
of David. And so they say, well, the, the Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem because he is a descendant of David. They knew those scriptures. They were correct in their interpretation. And both of those things, they are right in saying. Now, I think it's interesting here. If, if they had checked, they would have known Jesus was both of those things. He was a descendant of King David, and he was also born in Bethlehem. Remember the announcement of the angels. For today in the city of David that has been born for you, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. They missed it, all right? Verse 43. So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. I want you to notice this. So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Now that is a strange thing. If we think about it, that is an odd thing. Christ comes in love. He says that he loves all people. Christ comes to save. He comes to save all people. He actually comes for all. And yet, his truth always results in division. Isn't that strange? He loves all people. He has come and he's called out to all people. And yet, the truth of Jesus Christ always results in division. The Bible says that friends and families will split over the truth of our Savior Jesus. Friends, tonight it is still the same. The truth of Jesus always divides. I want to say this. I better say this, especially in 2021. Be very sure tonight. Be clear tonight. Listen to me. It is okay to divide on the truth as long as you are on the side of truth. And the Bible says God's word is truth. Listen to that again. It is okay, listen, it is okay to divide on truth as long as you are on the side of truth. And the Bible says God's word is truth. Now, let me tell you something. Let me point out something. We live in an age today when folks come along and say, you know what? The greatest thing we could do is get along. The greatest thing we could have is a politically correct message. The most, the most pleasing thing is that we would be tolerant of all other views, even if we have to compromise the truth. And that's the day we're living in. That's the mantra of our day. We have to be politically correct. We have to be tolerant of any other view. Be very sure tonight, it is okay, I will tell you, it is even right to divide on the truth as long as you're on the side of truth and the Bible says God's word is truth. Listen to me tonight. We have to be prepared to stand on the truth of God's word. It is not negotiable. Verse 44. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. Remember we saw last night the word seize in the original language means to arrest him. Some wanted to, to arrest him, but the Bible says, but no one did. Now we're going to find out why. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. Verse 45. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, why did you not bring him? The temple police, the temple officers, they come back to the Sanhedrin. They come back to the Jewish leaders, and the Jewish leaders say, why 
Did you not bring him? That's why we sent you. That was the mission that you were on. He was there. He's in plain view. And yet why did you not bring him? Verse 46. The officers answered, never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. Understand tonight, these were educated people. These temple officers, they were Levites. They were Jews. They were familiar with the teachings. They were familiar with the scriptures. Their actual translation here is this. Never spoke thus a man. Never spoke thus a man. Now what it means is, Never has anyone spoken like this. They come back and say, now why didn't you get him? Why didn't you nab him? And they say, never has anyone spoken like this. They didn't say, well, he was teaching. Well, it was interesting what he was teaching. They said, never has anyone spoken like this. These guards, these temple police, they see that he is not normal. They see that this is unique. And they themselves are considering perhaps he is the one. Just maybe what he says is true. Maybe he is the Messiah. Are we going to arrest the Savior of God? That's what's running through their head. Is that what we'll do? So they do not touch him. Never have we heard anyone speak like him. Verse 47. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? Verse 47, the leaders insult them. Surely you're not misled also. Surely you're not like the crowd, are Surely you, in this professional position, surely you've not been misled, have you? Verse 48, no one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? Verse 48, to these temple officials, they say, take note, none of the educated people have fallen for this, have they? They say, none of these that know the scriptures, the Pharisees, none of us have fallen for this. And they're applying peer pressure to them. Surely you're not as dumb as the crowd out there. Surely you're not misled like that crowd. No one here, not any of us, none of us have been fooled. I want to stop right here and I want to make a point. Be very sure of this. In God's system, in Christianity, in the following of Jesus Christ, listen very carefully. They are not some that have more and some that have less. In following Jesus Christ, there are not some that are higher up, and there's not some that are lower down. In following Christ, there are not some that are spiritually elite and others that are spiritually deficient or spiritually inferior. In following Christ, there's not a special class, and for sure, there's not a lower class. And be very sure tonight, there is not anybody over, better, or superior to anyone else in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen very carefully. It is a danger today. If your expression of Christianity, 
means that you have to go seek out somebody that has something that you do not have that is not New Testament Christianity. If you got to go find a priest to confess your sins to, that's not New Testament Christianity. You got to find some person with a special gift and a better relationship with God, that's not New Testament Christianity. If you've got to seek out somebody that has something that you do not have, that is not New Testament Christianity. Be sure tonight we are gifted. Some are gifted differently, but no one has a better position than somebody else. Maybe you've heard it said, it's level ground at the foot of the cross. There's no status there. There's no super elite gifted there. There's no goal between there other than Jesus. It's level ground at the foot of the cross. All right, verse 49. But this crowd, which does not know the law, is a curse. Now, I want you to hear what these guys are saying. But this crowd, these dummies, which does not know the law, is accursed. In the original language, it means this. This crowd, these people, this crowd, which does not know. If you go to the original language, it means this. These people, this crowd, that are ignorant, that are actually, here's a literal translation, stupid, they don't know. They're, this crowd, they're ignorant. They're stupid. It says this. They are cursed. This crowd is cursed. Now, what that word curse means is they are doomed. And because they are doomed, they cannot understand. That's what these guys say. This crowd, they're too ignorant to understand. Besides that, they're doomed and they cannot understand. Now, that brings me to another point. And that is this, God's word is given to all people. God's word is to be accessible to all people because God's word is his speech to all people. Did you hear that? His word is given to all people and his word is to be accessible to all people because God's word is his speech to all people. Be sure tonight, it is not for some to hold. It's not for some to pass out. It's not for some others to control. God's word is for all people. Now listen to me. He does give some to teach it clearly. Yes, praise the Lord for that. He does give some to preach it in his supernatural enablement. Yes, praise the Lord for that. But listen to me. Nobody has a better position than anybody else to have and to hold and to hear the word of God. Which means this. It's about to get personal. So you better know it. So you better know it. You better study it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you better read it. Satan has lied to us. And he's told us we're too busy. You know what? We'll go to church when we can. We'll make it on Sunday. Well, we got some stuff that came up. Satan has lied to us and said, you're too busy to know the word of God. Maybe you can catch it in a clip. Maybe you can hear it on the radio. Maybe you'll get it when you can, but you're too busy to know the word of God. Satan has lied to us and said, you're too dumb to know the word of God. 
You can't understand it. It's too hard for you. When you read it, you get all mixed up. You're too dumb to understand the word of God. Listen to me, boy, especially this year. In today's world, listen, you better not trust anyone. You better check it yourself. You better get that Bible open. You better check it yourself. You better break it down yourself. You better be where it's taught and be learning yourself. You better be reading it yourself. You better be memorizing it yourself. Don't you trust anybody. We better know it. These people had made a status out of it. They had all these other folks feeling inept like they had to come to them. You're not able to know this. You better come see me. I'll tell you what God has said to you. Listen, that's not how it works. We better know it. I want you to notice something right here. There were some in this crowd that were missing Jesus because they didn't know the word of God. There were some in this crowd and they were missing Jesus because they took somebody else's word for it and they told him a lie. We better know it. You better know it. Verse 50. Nicodemus, he who came to him before, that's in John chapter 3, being one of them, one of the Pharisees, that ruling class, said to them. Now I want you to remember this. He is considered, it says, the great teacher of Israel. He's one of the great teachers of Israel. If you want to know what the word of God says, he can tell you. He's one of the great teachers of Israel. Verse 51. Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? Think about this. Sometimes I wonder, these Pharisees, were they all bad? Were they all hard-hearted? It, 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 it looks like that. It seems like that. Were they all bad? Well, evidently not. Nicodemus sought out the truth. Evidently, Nicodemus was not content just to eat the lie. And Nicodemus here is fair. And he says, we're not to make the judgments like this. We're not to move forward like this without hearing both sides. That's what he says. Verse 52, they answered him, you are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. These folks are, are mad. These folks are angry. And they notice this, these folks are mean. They are mean to this respected teacher, one of the great teachers of the land. They say, well, you're not from Galilee, are you? What they mean is you're not some hillbilly, are you? Not, not like that. And they actually insult him. They're mean. Now I want you to watch this. And so while they're on their soapbox, while they're telling the great teacher of Israel, here's what they say. Look, here's what they tell him. Look, search the scriptures and see that no prophet arises or comes out of Galilee. That's what they say. Everybody knows that. Go look, go look, you teacher. Go search the scriptures. Everybody knows no prophet comes out of Galilee. Actually, Jonah did. Probably Nahum did. And most likely Hosea did as well. They're not even right. They're not even right. They don't even know what they're talking about. Here's the point to all of this. 
We better know. We better know tonight. Listen, we have the good news. We have the good news of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We have the good news that's not rattled, that's not shaken in crazy times. We have the good news, and listen, it is good news. I'll tell you, it is the only good news. But I want to tell you tonight, the world can't stand it. And so the world has done everything it can can do to discredit it. And, and Satan can't stand it, so he tries to snatch it away from us. That's what Jesus said that he would do. And today we're so busy, we do not even notice that that is what is happening. Here's the point tonight's message. There is good news. We better know it. We better know it. Let's pray. During Father, we come, we're thankful for good news. We're thankful for hope that endures. We're thankful for peace the world cannot give. You tell us that. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin. We're thankful for restoration, reconciliation with the Holy God. We're thankful for eternal life, life that is full, life that does not end. We're thankful for the filling of the Holy Spirit where wells spring up of rivers of water. Lord, we're, we're thankful that we've passed from death to life. We're thankful that we've passed out of judgment and condemnation. Lord, we're thankful for our salvation. We're thankful for our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray tonight on this night, on this Saturday night, that we've been taught tonight, that we've been reminded tonight, that we've been maybe convicted tonight, we better know your word. And we better study it ourselves. We better take the time ourselves. We better put the effort in ourselves. We can't take the world's, the world's idea of it. We have to spend the time and the effort. Lord, help us to know the good news. Number one, that we would receive it. Number two, that we could spread it. Help us, Lord, help us. Lord, we do come and say we're thankful for good news. We do say, Lord, help us be ambassadors of that good news. Lord, in this time of invitation, I pray that you would work. I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would move. I pray that you would be glorified. Lord, I pray for these that, that are watching, listening some other way, maybe in a far away place. I pray that the good news tonight would, would reach them and touch their mind, touch their heart. Tonight, they would turn to you. Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, we're going to close with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, as certain as we're here, there is good news tonight. The good news tonight is this. We have a Savior. We've all sinned, each and every person we've sinned. And in our sin, we've, we've earned, we have earned a punishment. Was it my parents' fault? Wasn't somebody else's fault? Wasn't the environment's fault? I sinned, you sinned. We earned our punishment. The punishment for, for sin is death. The Bible's clear of that. Separation from God now, separation from God for all eternity in the reality of hell. That's our penalty. That is our punishment. And we certainly earned it. The good news tonight is this. God loves you. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us. While we were yet sinners is what the Bible says. So much so that he sends his only begotten son, Jesus. He comes and he lives a life he never sins. Because he doesn't sin, he's able to, to offer himself in the place of sinners. 
You see, had he sinned, he would have had to pay his own penalty, his own punishment. He doesn't sin, that he can offer himself in my place, in your place. That's what he does at Calvary. He's taken there, he's accused falsely, he's beaten savagely. He's nailed to a cross and he dies paying the price, the penalty for sin in his own blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin in his own blood. He pays the penalty. They take him off of that cross, they put him in a grave. Three days later on what we call Easter Sunday morning, he walks out of that grave and he stands as the risen, resurrected Savior. Our hope is in him. The receipt has been issued and he stands as our risen Savior. Listen, the Bible says no work that you could do, nothing that you could change, but by faith in him, in that gospel, we are saved. Isn't there something else to do? No. Don't I have to go straighten something else up? No. By faith in him, we are saved. If you've never trusted Jesus, trust him tonight. If you've never trusted Jesus for your salvation, trust him tonight. Here's what he says. He will save you. He will save you. If you've never turned to Jesus, turn to him tonight. If you've trusted Christ, but you've never fallen in believers' baptism in this hour, I want to give you an opportunity to turn and say, you know what, I, I want to signify, I want to testify in baptism to what I believe of Christ. And you come, and we'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here, and, and you'd like to join Calvary Baptist Church, and you believe God has led you here, and you've been praying about it. Then you come as well, and together we'll uphold his good news. We'll take on his mission for his glory until he comes back and gets us. Maybe tonight on, the, on this Saturday night, you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. Maybe nobody even knows the things that are going on in your, in your life, in your heart. And you want to come in humility and, and come to the altar and seek him in prayer. The Bible says, and I love to say it, nothing is too big and nothing is too small. He cares for you. So we're going to have a time of response. I'm going to ask that no one would stir around, would head for an exit. You pray for those that are making decisions. Pray for those that are listening in some other means that they would make a decision as well. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out, you come on, I'll meet you here.